Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Prayers that shook the world, so uh, I'm excited about that. Also, I'm excited about our back-to-school bashes coming up. We're going to be hosting two back-to-school bashes with our community this year. We did one last year, so we're believing to do two to do more. And so uh, thank you for your school supplies. We still need more and more because we want to bless as many students as possible here. Um, as you guys know, Thrive Church is about loving God, loving people, and passing it on. And so if you want to sign up to serve at one of those back-to-school bashes at our outreach table over there, you can sign up for that and also grab one of these bracelets. We have plenty left and yeah, this is our Thrive bracelet. It means you like us if you wear this bracelet, right? So if I don't see you wearing the bracelet, I think maybe they don't like us here. There you go. Everybody wearing their bracelets? Okay. For you that aren't, I will make sure that I, I pray for you and uh, keep you lifted up. Turn your Bibles this morning, if you will, or your copy of God's Word to 2 Kings 6, 17. 2 Kings 617, and we'll be in 2 Kings 6 all day today as we start our Prayers That Shook the World series. And over the next several weeks, uh, what we're going to do is share with you several prayers that shook their generation from the Bible. And you'll see some people that prayed some prayers that were very powerful that I believe that can help us today in our prayer life too to see God do something amazing in our midst. I'm going to speak this morning about opening your eyes. Um, one of the things that I hate, two things I hate actually, are those pictures where people have up and they're asking you to see the picture within the picture. You ever seen those before? I was on staff at a church one time and they had it in the main office. And I would walk in and they're like, hey, and they're like, I walked in one day like, hey man, it's Jesus and he's on the cross and then he's in the tomb and he's coming out and it's so awesome. Can you see it? If you just stand here and kind of like cross your eyes, you can see it. And I never saw the picture. I was like, I don't see Jesus. I don't see a cross. All I see is a bunch of jumbled mess. And it was frustrating because everybody else could see it, but I couldn't. I don't know if you feel like that, but that's how I am. I hate those pictures. Please never get me one of those because I'll be so frustrated. I also have a problem with like the stars. You know, I had a friend one time, I was like, yeah, man, you know, let's look at the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper and Orion's Belt. And my wife even does that. She's like, yeah, see right there? She's like, I, I don't see it. I don't know if, it's like, if you're like that, but I don't know how they came up with that stuff, but it's so hard to find. Some of you are like, no, I see it all the time. I can't. And Orion's Belt? Forget it. I don't see Orion and I don't see his belt. And so I need my, even my wife to help me point out, I'm like, yeah, I guess you could get like a dude from that with a belt and a sword. I think you're stretching it, but, um, you know, I'll take your word for it. But sometimes it's hard for us to see God at work in our situations like that. It looks like just a jumbled mess. It's like, I can't really see God in this situation. And it it looks weird to me. And you got friends trying to help you out. And so many times when we're in adverse situations, it's hard to see God at work in there. Just like I can't see, you know, those pictures. You may be in that same situation. And look at 2 Kings 6.17. And Elisha is trying to help this young intern see what he sees. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Let's pray. Father, we ask today that you would help each one of us to see you at work in our situations. 
God, we may need help from others and we may need just help from you today, God, to open our eyes to see your goodness, your greatness, your mercy, and your love in every situation that we face, God. Open our eyes today and also open our hearts to receive your word. Remove any distractions from our minds, God, and let us be ready to receive the word of God, which is able to save our souls. And we thank you for your scriptures. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, truth of the matter is all of us will find ourselves in situations bigger than us right? Situations that seem overwhelming, impossible. And it's in those times that many believers shrink back from following God. It's in those times many believers don't follow God closely because they can't see God at work in the situation. And the thing that we have to learn to pray is, God, open our eyes to see what you see. I remember I was at a major denominational um, gathering. It was when they do all their voting and bylaws and policy, which is the boringest stuff ever. Like, really, carry me out back and slap me like seven times and, and just let me, you know. So I'm sitting there with, with, a, with a friend, and um, I had no clue what was happening. Seriously. Like I, they were like speaking Chinese. Like, I don't know. I mean, can I, can, I, can I get my phone out and play on it? This is really boring, right? Some of you teenagers like that in church. You're like, yeah, don't know what this guy's saying. But I had a friend there, and so it was really good, though, because he was kind of like the interpreter, right? It's like, I was like, hey, what's happening? He's like, let me tell you the story behind this one. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, no, 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 what's this about? Let me show you what's really happening here. And at each point, he showed me what was happening in every situation. So it's like I had my own little personal guide, right? And I was kind of getting to see behind the scenes what was going on. Well, that's how God has to do with us sometimes. Because we just can't see it. We don't know. It's like, man, this all looks like Chinese to me. I really don't get it. And you know, that's what the doctor does for us too, right? You have aches and pains, you don't feel good, you go to him, and he will sometimes give you an x-ray or see things that you can't see. And you're confused, you don't know what's happening, and the doctor will actually help you see things that you cannot see. And I believe before we can ever pray effectively, we have to have our eyes open to the reality of what God is doing in all of our situations. And as I prayed for you this week, I really believe there's some people here today that are in that situation. You're like, man, this is directly for me. I have no clue what's happening in my situation. I don't really understand. It looks like Chinese to me. And I believe today, after we go through this message, that many of you will have your eyes opened to the fact of what God's really doing. You'll have your eyes opened that God is at work in your marriage, no matter how much of a knucklehead your spouse is. Amen. You don't say amen to that one. You do not say, unless your spouse is not here with you, right? That's dangerous. I'll get you some marriage material for that one. But I believe today that some of you will be able to see God at work in your financial situation. Even though you have so much red in your, in your banking account, it's like the blood of Jesus all over it, right? And some of you today will have your eyes open that God is working in your children's life, even though they seem like they're running from God. And the fact of the matter is, it's not for God to change all of our situations, but to open our eyes to what he's doing in it already. And I firmly believe that he's at work in all of our situations. And today we're going to see a situation that exemplifies that. Elisha, one of the major prophets in the Old Testament, he, uh, you know, preached, prophesied, did the prophet thing around 850 B.C. And he ministered to the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. So he ministered to both of those camps. And it came a situation where the king of Syria, say boo, boo, yeah, he's the bad guy, okay, you got it? The king of Syria plots to destroy the northern kingdom of Israel. 
I mean, they're making plans. They're in their dungeons or whatever they had back then. And they're, you know, drawing up plans to, to destroy. They're moving their little, you know, I just picture them playing like Risk. You ever played, you know, the game, the war game? Some of you have, some of you haven't. And I picture that. And they're plotting to destroy Israel. Well, when they get ready to step out to do this battle plan, they realize that Israel knows what they're going to do already. It's kind of how Bill Belichick was filming, um, you know, uh, all the other teams. That's when he won the Super Bowls, right? Like he already knew what they were going to do. That's for all you Patriots fans in here because I'm a Dolphins fan. And that was just for you. For all you ladies, just forget I ever said that. You have no clue what just happened. Like, whoa, what's he talking about? But they, they knew what was going on. They, they knew what was happening. And the king of Syria was ticked off. Because every time he would make a plan, they knew about it. And he found out that the source was Elisha. And so what he plans to do is to go and surround Elisha with his armies and destroy him so he can stop foiling his plan. Elisha was doing the will of God. Elisha was doing what God called him to do. And we see the king of Syria coming against him. And in the middle of that, we have this young intern. Elisha has an intern that's like learning from him. And Lord, please let none of us ever go on an internship like this. It's not a good one. And we'll look at it here. Let's pick up in 2 Kings six eighteen. 2 Kings 6, excuse me, 6 verse 8. And we'll read through verse 18. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants saying, my camp will be in such a such a place. That's pretty specific. Um, And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, beware that you do not pass this place. And the man of God is of course Elisha. For the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to that place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. You need to always be on watch. That's just a side note for you. That's free. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, No, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Say surrounded. You need to pay attention to that. Some of you were late on that one. You'll get it next time. Um, And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, master, what shall we do? That's his intern there, okay? I mean, imagine he gets up early in the morning, goes out, he's he's filling the, the bucket with water, and then he sees an army surrounding their little house. That's not a good day on an internship. Let me just say, I've had some bad internships. Doesn't compare to that one. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, pray with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. I believe there's, there's, there's three facts that our eyes need to be open to in order to see us do what God's called us to do. And, we're, and a lot of us are just like the place where this servant guy's at, this inter- intern. 
We're in the same situation where the enemy has surrounded our current situation and we're a little troubled by that. Now, you may not admit it in church because you're way too holy to do that in church, right? Um, But if you'll be honest with yourself, you probably are in some type of situation just like that. Or you may be in the place where Elisha's at. You're trying to be like, get, get some young person to open their eyes. Man, come on. See what I see. God's at work. And so I want you to look at verse 14. And the first fact of our eyes need to be open to is that we will face trouble. Write this in your notes. When we are causing trouble. We will face trouble when we are causing trouble. Now let me explain. Let me read this and I'll explain that to you. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. That's trouble. And when the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? This was brought on to Elisha and the intern because they were doing what God called them to do. This trouble that they were facing, because when I said, you're going to face trouble and you cause trouble, it's like, yeah, that's right. You cause trouble and God's going to get you. That's what some of you were thinking. You're like, yeah, I hope he strikes that person down. That's, that's, that's immediately where our minds go. But do you know sometimes, just like Elisha, when you're doing what God's called you to do, you're going to face kickback from the enemy. Listen, guys, let's just be real. Satan is real. His kingdom is real. And he does not like any of you. His goal is to destroy you, as a matter of fact. And so when you're doing what God's called you to do and you're seeking God and going after God, don't think that it get easy. When you and your spouse say, we're going to get in the house of God, we're going to get our marriage right, man, we're going to get our finances right, we're going to start serving God, expect things to happen to you. And when you're, you're causing trouble to the enemy, you're going to face trouble. You're going to face certain things to come at you, and which you'll hear in a later message down the road, um, it's called the consequences of obedience. You've always heard of the consequences of disobedience, haven't you? As I said before, you go to that picture show, God will strike you down, go to that movie. But what about the consequences of obedience when we're following God? And so many times I see believers, especially young believers, who are pursuing God and going after him, and they hit a bump and they're ready to quit. Right? It's like, I mean, come on. This is nothing compared to what you're going to do. And when they face things, they quit so easily. And when you cause trouble to the enemy, you're going to face trouble. I had a friend who's a pastor and a mentor. His name's Todd. And I remember sitting with Todd and just, you know, he's much older than I am, uh, much cooler than I am. I want to be him when I grow up. I I tell him that all the time um, in a joking way. But Todd was saying one of the the, the things that scares him the most about people in his church is when things start maybe not going right in church and maybe everything's not hitting on all cylinders and you're doing all you can do, people to say, well, somebody must be doing something wrong for this to happen. If there's a problem, there must be some sin going on somewhere, Right. We just talked about this in John 9 on Wednesday night. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus like, neither one. Do you know that sometimes you can be doing things that are right and things go wrong? Just because you do something right does not mean it's going to turn out right. Just because you handle situations with people in the right way doesn't mean they're going to respond in a right way. And sometimes we think, and see, that's why karma, you guys, I see, I mean, I've seen Christians say, yeah, karma. Dude, go ahead and go serve Buddha. Get get out of the church, bro. We don't have karma. Because if you got what you deserve, you'd be in hell. We didn't get what we deserve. Jesus went to the cross for us for that. It's not you do good and good things happen. You do bad and bad things happen. That's not the way it rolls. Look at Hollywood. 
Look at our, our music industry. Look at, look at people who are living contrary to the word of God and they have all the money they could ever ask for. And you've got to get in your mind and get perseverance in that when you're doing things God's called you to do, sometimes you're going to face kickback. And be ready for that and be prepared for that in your life. I sat down uh, with a couple recently too and, and they're in ministry. And one of the most disturbing things I'd ever sat and observed as I tried to coach them for what they're going through. I mean, ministry is spiraling down. People are leaving left and right. They're, I mean, they're down to nothing, can't pay bills. I mean, it's really bad. And um, sometimes you get to a certain point that when it gets to that point, you, you, you need to start looking at options. Right? Because if, it, if it's God's church, he'll build it. And if, it's, if it's his will, it's his bill. I had that front. And the wife sat there and told her husband, well, if he'd be doing what God called him to do, it wouldn't be going through this situation. And I know this guy, humble, serving God, praying. I mean, one of the sweetest men of God I've ever met in my life. And my heart broke that his wife looked at him and said, well, if he'd be doing what God called him to do, he wouldn't be going through this. I'm thinking, he's probably going through it because he's doing exactly what God's called him to do. And you can't get this. If I do good, God's going to give good. If I do bad, God's going to give. Sometimes you're going to do great things and you're going to serve God and be all that you're doing. And you're going to see things happen to you and wonder, why is this happening to me while I'm serving God? That's the very fact. Even Jesus said this. He said, his kingdom is like this. The parable of the wheat and tares. A sower went out to sow and he sowed wheat and said the enemy came in and began to sow tares. Beware, Christians. When you sow good seed, the enemy's going to counteract with bad seed. It's just going to happen, and you've got to be ready for that. And this young servant, this young intern was not ready for that. And I can tell you sometimes when, when on the precipice of your greatest breakthroughs come your greatest breakdowns. Hear me. Sometimes right before God wants to do something awesome in your life, you come against all hell. And you're wondering, why is this coming against me? Why am I facing this? Because you're getting ready to see something great happen. And you may be minutes from breakthrough if you just don't give up and understand that you may be facing this because you're doing what God's called you to do. Now, you know if you're doing what God's called you to do. I don't have to preach on that. All right? Uh, others of us in here are facing things because you're just making dumb decisions. But that's another message for another day. And um, I won't talk about that right now. So, uh, you know, we'll... look, look at number two, point number two in verse 16. The second fact we need our eyes open to is we have no reason to fear the enemy. We will face trouble when we're causing trouble. We have no reason to fear the enemy. Look at verse 16. So he answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The young intern walks out. The city is surrounded by an army. I know you're going through some tough stuff, but none of you woke up today and there's an army ready to destroy you, right? That is a bad morning. I mean, not having sugar for my coffee is pretty bad. I hate that. But an army surrounding my house, ready to kill me because I'm doing God's, that's not good. I've had deacons surround the church, but I've never had an army surround my house before, ready to kill me. And so Elisha must have saw fear in this young man, because he said, do not fear. I mean, I just deductive reasoning. I mean, you know, he must have saw this boy visibly afraid of what was going on. And he told him, do not fear, because there are many more that are for us that are for them. We have no reason to fear the enemy, because fear, in its purest form, gets us to make impulsive and irrational decisions. When you're in a situation where things are surrounding you and you don't know, don't make any sudden moves. Don't by fear jump into something. 
And don't by fear jump out of something. Just because you think, like, singles in here. Let me just talk to you for a second. Because you're scared of being alone? Don't get in the wrong relationship. Well, I'm scared I'll be that old lady with all the cats and never get married. And I'm that person. If you have cats, we'll pray for you. Now, I'm not very big on cats. but So, so, so what happens is you, you jump in a relationship with the wrong person, right? And then six years later, you're like, well, he's just not. Well, you jumped in for the wrong reasons. Sometimes we're fearful of things and we jump out of things that God's called us to do and God's asking us to do because we're afraid of the situation. See, you know what fear does? It's an emotion that causes you to look into your future with anxiety. If you scope your future and you begin to get anxious, depressed, nervous, and scared, that's fear putting that on you. You should, as a child of God, look to your future, no matter what you're facing, and say, I know the plans that God has for me. No matter what valley I'm in, no matter what's happening, that he has plans to prosper me, plans to love me, plans for a hope and a future. You should never have to look, because many of you are paying a down payment on a problem that you'll never have. You're worried about things that are never going to come to pass. I want to encourage you today to not let fear take over. You have no reason to fear the enemy. And the reason we fear is because we don't know. This young man was scared. Why? He, he couldn't see what Elisha saw. He, he didn't know the greatness and the goodness of God. And some of you, see, some of you are the intern in here. And you're like, yeah, I'm really worried about this situation. And then some of you play, play, the, play the role of Elisha. And, and you need to sit down with some people and be like, hey, you have no reason to fear the enemy. God is for you, and our God is bigger than any problem you face, anything that you're going through, and, and he will carry you through it. And you need to play the role of Elisha to some people in here that are going through those things like the interns are. And then some of us are interns in here, and we're scared to death. Let's just be real. That doctor's report scared you. You know, the, 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 the way your spouse is acting scares you. Again, the way that checkbook looks scares you. Dominion and power is not very forgiving, Right? And when you see those things, you've got to get to a place where you say, I have no reason to fear because he that is for me is greater than he that is against me. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? And friends, I'm telling you, you've got to have that mindset, man. That greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There is no reason to fear. Listen, the truth of the matter is, and when you know that God is for you and he's with you and he's on your side, fear leaves. You know he's your provider, your protector. He cares for you. Fear leaves the door. But this young man didn't know it. And let me just share this with you. I face fear sometimes. When we moved here to, you know, Chesterfield County, to Richmond, and started this church, I was fearful. I was scared. Because this is a high risk. Okay? We came in to launch this church, high risk. And I knew that only 10% of church plants make it past five years. I knew that 3,000 churches a month shut their doors in America. That's sad. And you'll see more of that as the future days come. I knew that most pastors only make it four years in ministry and then leave and sell insurance. Because it's too much to hack. Uh, I knew the dangers of what we were going into, and it seemed like an army was surrounding me. I knew that 95% of churches were in plateau or decline. I'm like, God, I don't have it in me. And it like an, an army was around. 
But when God began to open my eyes, I saw that he, there was much more for me than was against me. And I grabbed onto the promise where Jesus said this. He said, I will build my church. He, he said, I will build, not Kevin, not Elise, not Alan, not David. He said, I will do it. So I said, God, I'm going to put the heavy lifting on your shoulders because you're much better at this than I am. And when you're facing a situation where you're fearful, you've got to get to the place where you say, God, I put it in your hands because you can handle any situation that I face. Listen, when we, we don't have to fear what we see if we will listen to what God says. Let me say that one more time because some of y'all missed it. Very important. You don't have to fear what you see if you'll listen to what God says. If you'll just see what his word says about you and what his word says for you, you don't have to fear the enemy at all. And it's not the size of the mountain you're facing, but the size of God that we serve, guys. And here's your third and final point. It's okay to say amen. It's okay to, to do that because I'm not sure if some of you guys are mad at me or some of you are just, just really processing. Um, Okay, it's okay if you're processing. If you're mad at me, then, then again, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. I'm just kidding. I, I joke a lot in here. If you're brand new, I, I like to laugh in church. It's okay to laugh in church. The third and final point is this right here. The fact that we need to have our eyes open is that God is active when we can't see it. Open our eyes, God, to the fact that you're active when we can't see it. And look at um, verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. He saw into the spiritual realm. He saw what God was doing despite what he was seeing in the natural. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. That's a powerful prayer. Don't be trying to pray that for that person at work that's worrying you to death. It's not going to work. All right? You're not Elisha, and your situation is not as serious as theirs was, uh, so don't even try it. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Elisha prays a prayer that shakes the world of his generation. He opens the eyes of this young man up to see what God is doing in the situation. The young man is fearful. He's surrounded by enemies. He doesn't know what to do. And his eyes are open because Elisha prayed for him. And so you got to realize too, many of us need our spiritual eyes open. There are far too many what I call carnal Christians. And I battle this every day that, 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 that you live by your five senses. It was a taste, smell, touch, sound, and there's one more. Sight. Okay, there's that one too. See, my wife's a biology major. I'm, I'm, I have a Bible major, okay? <laughs> but we live by that, don't we? And we're told to live by our five senses. And we just, well, it's just common sense. And well, we just have to, you've got to learn to live by a sense that is deeper than what you can see, smell, taste, or touch in your life. And by Christ, you have to learn to operate by faith. Don't you listen to me and check in here because this is very important. The five senses were activated in its fullness and actually had to replace living by spiritual senses in the Garden of Eden. Follow me here. In the Garden of Eden, Adam had relationship with God. He walked with God. The Bible says in the cool of the day, he walked with God. That does not mean it was 68 degrees and a cool breeze blowing out of the back of his neck. 
That meant that, that he literally had full, unbroken relationship with God. He knew God in his fullness in the Garden of Eden. And when Adam sinned, mankind was then cut off from that relationship of living and seeing things by the Spirit and seeing God. And then mankind had to begin to live by five senses. Think about this. Everything that Satan has set in place is the five senses, right? Sight. Think about it. You, you see it. And then you, you want it and you've got to have it as we talked about in Samson. Everything that you're operating by. So when you become a believer, you cannot let those things lie to you because what you see sometimes will lie to you. What you feel sometimes will lie to you. What you believe you hear sometimes will lie to you. You've got to trust and see what God is doing by faith. When you were born uh, again, when you gave your life to Jesus, it was like a whole new world was opened up to you. Now I'm going to use an outdated reference. And some of you will not be able to follow me, but it's the Matrix. Anybody ever seen the Matrix? You, yeah. Watching movies again. I see how it is in church. Neo lived in this world that was natural to him. Just doing his job, going to work, doing what he had to do. And then he meets Morpheus. And Morpheus says, Neo, there's a world that you can't even see around you. There's stuff going on that you have no clue of what is really happening. He said, and I'm going to give you a choice. I have two pills here. He says, you can take the one pill and you remain forever in that world and you'll never know what's really out there and what's really existing around you. But if you take this pill, your eyes will be opened. And he chose the pill for his eyes to be opened and he entered a whole new realm that he had never seen before. And many of us have never had our eyes open to what God is really doing. We've never, we, you can't see what God's really, really doing. Do you know I pray and listen to me daily? God, let me be led by the Spirit. And God, please let me be in tune with you with leading this church. Don't let me just operate on natural senses and that series looks, series looks good. We'll do that series and that event looks good. Let me hear you. Because we're operating in a world and the spiritual realm is more real than the natural realm you even see. And many of us have no clue. We, we can't see what God's doing. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. And many of you that are mature in the faith know this, but you don't know this. Faith is the substance of things not yet seen. You hear me? Faith is the substance of things not yet seen. I like Darby's translation of this. It means faith substantiates things you can't see. What in the world does that mean? I'm going to help you. It's okay. I see those crinkled eyes. Okay. Your eyes, your natural eyes, which we all have in here, common ground. It's the first rule of communication. <laughs> Substantiates this world to you right now. If you didn't have your eyes, you couldn't see how to operate in this world, could you? You'd have, you need somebody to lead you, somebody to guide you. You get to kind of fill around. You don't really know what's happening. But your eyes with your retina and I'm trying to think of really good stuff my wife would say about biology and retinas and light and it reflects and all those things. But your, your eyes literally make this world real to you. It makes colors real and it makes things around you real and you can operate in it. It substantiates what's around you. See, you have eyes of faith too that need to be activated. So you can live and operate in the kingdom of God. So it becomes real to you. For many of you, it's just church. We come to church. We do good things. We believe in the Bible. We believe it. But you've never learned to live by faith. 
you never learn to substantiate the kingdom of God. And all of us are on that journey. And I believe the most important thing that we need is our eyes open so we can see what God is doing in our situations. I remember when when I started a church one time, I started three of them. God told me this, and, and we didn't have a we didn't have anything. We were so broke we couldn't pay attention. Like some of y'all, right? I mean, man, I had an acoustic guitar with five strings. The bridge was broken. I couldn't even get the bridge fixed for you musicians. It was bad. I had a laptop that froze up every time we tried to show a video. There were no cool videos or things like this. We had a flat screen TV in my friend's apartment that got repoed because he didn't pay the, the bill. He couldn't pay the bill on it. I come in one day, like the flat screen we used for like media was repoed. It's like, what are we going to do? So I was trying to borrow somebody's projector. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. Remember one night we had an 87 cent offering that could not cover the cookies that we bought for everybody to eat when they came to our gathering at our house. And I remember I was so frustrated and I was just driving. I was like, yeah, Lord, but I've, I've read the magazines. I've read the books and they say you need this and you need that and blah, blah, blah. I have none of that. And God said, I'm teaching you a valuable lesson. I'm teaching you how to operate by faith and live by my word instead of what you think you know. And I'm telling you something, I learned to live by the word of God. I learned to live by what God could do. I, I had no money to try to attract people and do mailers or websites. I just had to really trust God. And was it hard? The hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I, I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit many times. And thank God I had friends that helped me in that endeavor. And see, many of you are in that situation today where you feel like, man, it, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like I want to quit. I want to give up. I I feel like enemies are surrounding me. And what the truth of the matter is, is that, yeah, there's enemies all around you. You have things that are surmounting that seem like they're overcoming you. But if your eyes will be open, you will see the greatness of God. And that's why I love getting with mature believers. Young people do not hang around with immature believers. Please don't, young people. Get around people that have a lot of gray in their head. And you may not think they're as cool as you want them to be. And you let them pray for you. And you let them talk to you. Because they're going to tell you, I remember when I faced the same thing and I trusted God. And we listened to Mr. Huey Blackburn yesterday. who's 82 years old. He served God faithfully. Faithfully for 63 years. And we listened to him talk about how God was always faithful. That he never had to worry about God failing him. And when I look at him saying that, that gives me a lot of confidence that if, that if God can do it for him, God can do it for me because we serve the same God who's a big God. And today, I want you to have your eyes open that no matter how bad it looks around you with your natural sight, say, God, open my spiritual eyes to see what you're really doing in the situation. Because friends, let me tell you, God is at work in your life. God is at work in your life. Even though you think you can't see it and you're like, man, I don't know. He is working. He is active. And you've got to believe that. There was a man named William Wilberforce, and I close with this. And as you know the story, there's there's actually a movie called Amazing Grace, which I think every believer should watch because William Wilberforce was a strong Christian. And he was trying to abolish slavery in England. And the story goes that he was discouraged one night in the early 1790s after another defeat in his 10-year battle against slave trade in England. 
tired and frustrated, he'd open his Bible and just begin to leaf through it. It said a small piece of paper fell out and fluttered to the floor. It was a letter written by John Wesley shortly before his death, one of the great Christian leaders ever of our day. And Wilberforce read this little note that Wesley wrote him, and it said this, Unless God has raised you up, I see not how you can go through this glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery, which is a scandal of religion, of England, and of human nature. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you'll be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? All of them together are not stronger than God. Oh, be not weary in well-doing, William. Go in the name of our God and in the power of his might. And as you know the story, William Wilberforce abolished slavery in England some 65 years before it happened in America by the power of God. People wanted to kill him, had people coming against him, had had the whole country against him. But if God be for you, who can be against you? And right now in your life, in your marriage, in your job, with your sickness you're facing, everything that you're going through, you need to, to say that. If God be for me, it doesn't matter what's against me because he will carry me through the situation. Amen? This morning, if you will, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes in here.